Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. We hope to dazzle you with our discussion while not being hurtful to the authors we feature. Success not guaranteed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey. Hi. What's happening? What's new since I saw you yesterday? Uh, not much. I think I fell asleep around 7 o'clock last night. Oh, well, I don't blame you. I think I went to bed at 8.30. Well, this is the cycle I'm on where the pets wake me up. Oh, Sometimes yeah. it's 4.30 in the morning. A couple days ago, it was 3.30 in the morning. Then it was like 6 a.m. So then, of course, I get tired really early at night so then i fell asleep at like 7 8 7 p.m last night mm-hmm. must have been seven because i fell asleep i woke up checked my phone it was 7 30 it's like oh gosh <laughs> that was it i just fell back asleep and then the dogs woke me up again super early they woke me up at like 3 45 it's just like the cycle continues and it's misery. Yeah, that's my life. You know, I told you my dogs keep waking me up. That's what happens to me every night. But I have started to take like a 20-minute power nap in the middle of the day because I can. Mm-hmm. I'm home. And then I am able to go to sleep at night. I try to st- I usually stay up till about 9.30 or 10. But last night I was really tired. I don't know why. It's not like I did anything. I don't know what's happening with your dogs. Who, what's the last time those dogs go out at night? Do you know? I have no idea. I And it doesn't even really matter, even if Jeff will let them out super late. I feel like they almost have this Pavlovian response to the coffee pot being auto set or something. Maybe they can smell the coffee being brewed. And so they know it's getting close to the wake up time. What time do you start your coffee pot? I think the coffee pot starts at like four something well of course that's why they're waking up but yes dogs are all about routine and conditioning you're right they probably hear it or smell it and they're like great let us out let us out yeah which is okay i normally get up at five so 4 45 is not too far off of my normal morning routine the three something pre-coffee pot even starting that's where i draw the line (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what to tell you because I'm in the same sinking Titanic of a boat you are. The other night, though, it was funny because I swear to God, I heard Angel bark and I got up. I'm like, okay, just a minute because I just gotten up like an hour and a half before that with Boo. And I go out to the living room and it's like she hadn't even barked. She was sleeping and she's looking at me like, what the hell? And I'm like, well, now you know what it's like. Ah, sucks. (laughs) So I must have just imagined or dreamed that she was barking. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I wouldn't be able to handle that being woken up multiple times at night because it's really hard for me to fall asleep again. Even when the girls were really little, like infants, if they woke up because they were crying because they needed to be fed or something. I Mm -hmm. Sometimes I was awake for the rest of the night. I just could not fall back asleep. The multiple times thing with the dog, at least this is like a one and done, even if it's sometimes 345 in the morning. Well, still, that's ridiculous. I mean, I... 
sometimes have a hard time going back to sleep. So uh, the other night they woke me up, one of them woke me up at three and I read for an hour and a half. I'm like, screw it. I cannot go back to sleep. I opened my Kindle and I read for an hour and a half and I finally went back to sleep before the alarm went off. And yes, I still set my alarm. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. We're in hell. It's just the way it's got to be. So that's all that's new with me. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I uh, was enjoying my fireplace last night. My electric fireplace. My wonderful son-in-law installed my fireplace for me. And I now I have the ambiance of sitting there looking at a fire while I'm mm -hmm. watching TV and crocheting or making my dolls for the kidlets. It was good. I love it. I really appreciate him doing that for me. Yeah, no problem. I know it looks really good. And I also having an electric fireplace myself, I use it all <laughs> the time. I love it. I love changing the color sometimes or just having it mm -hmm. on. It's yeah. awesome. They're the best. Next time you're over, you should take a picture of it and post it on our Instagram page. Oh, here comes the kitty. Come on, Bowie. <laughs> Bowie. Oh my God. He's so, he's so loud. He's so talkative. Like orange cats <laughs> are just so weird. Like so distinct and mouthy. Like stop. <laughs> well, yeah, but you like them because you keep getting them. So you must love it. The girls already know once he passes, I already have the next orange tabby's cat, cat name picked out. What is it? Freddy. Freddy. Because I always named the cats after rock stars. So Freddie. Oh, that's right. I was, I was thinking it's either Freddie Mercury or Freddie Krueger. I don't know. No, Freddie Mercury. Yeah. <laughs> so you know how I told you yesterday something bit me on the side of my arm while I was in the garden? It looks like I've been burned with a pipe. I mean, it's huge and swollen and festering and red and hurts and itches like crazy. Ugh, can you take Benadryl? Who knows? Probably. But, you know... <laughs> <laughs> then my, I don't know, then my sleeping pattern will be messed up again. So I'll just struggle through it. But it's crazy. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was one of those killer spiders. Who could be? Well, well it wasn't one of those uh, flying Volkswagen beetles. No, no, no. The, that just almost gave me a concussion by ricocheting <laughs> off my my head. Yesterday when I was in the garden, thank God they don't bite. <laughs> Thank God they just try to knock you unconscious and go about their business. <laughs> They're like bumper uh, They're just flying. I don't know how they've survived. How? It's a miracle. Yeah, dinosaurs die off, but these things are still flying around willy-nilly. Blind as bats, but without the sonar. Right. So <laughs> uh, I, I wonder what purpose they serve. What do they do? Do they do anything? Do they doesn't matter, I guess. I mean, I oh. they just do what beetles do. I don't know what beetles do. I don't really want to know. It's pretty gross. Okay. It's super, super duper exciting stuff. Are you ready? The final itinerary for our trip to Scotland popped up today in the email, and I sent it on to you. I need you to go over it. We should actually okay. get together and go through it and through the notes we wrote down, just because this is it. This is our last chance to say, oh, you missed something, or oh, this isn't right, or why isn't it saying, like, Again, I didn't see where it's saying we're going to Loch Lomond. So anyway, when you when we're all done, you can please do that as soon as possible. Okay, I'll take a You emailed it to me, right? Yeah, I sent it to you this morning before we did this. All right, I'll take a look. That's and, very exciting. It's it about is. a month. 
exactly a month because it's uh, September 4th and don't we leave on October 4th? Yes. Right? Oh, God. Yeah, I can't believe it. I'm so excited. So I just hope that I haven't over fantasized in my mind what this trip's going to be like. It's just going to be a different experience. It is what it is. I'm just excited to see different things. I am green too. It I is, how old the buildings the, are. Yeah, the history, the architecture, the legacy. I'm very excited about all of that. Are we ready to start on this book? Sure. Go ahead, introduce it. Okay, so today's book is Iron, a steamy fantasy romance, book one in the Queen and the Assassin series, a trilogy by Lizette Marshall. Now, I just wanted to say something really fast before we started, but hold on, I have to look it up because I realized this morning when I was looking up this book on Goodreads that this is the same author that does like a super popular, I want to say it was like book talk popular series. Um, The series was Faye Isles. Book one in that series was Court of Blood and Bindings. We're not doing her super popular series. I think this is one she wrote before this other book talk famous one. But I didn't realize till this morning that it's the same author. So that was kind of cool. So what is the name of the really popular series? Faye Isles. A series, I guess. Have you read it? No, but I've seen it a bunch on Instagram. I will have to maybe check it out. Yeah, this is um, the first book by this author that I've read. So I would like to start by talking about the artwork on the cover of this book. Okay. I really liked it. I thought it was very pretty. I loved the detail of everything that was in it. Do you remember what it is or? I mean, it has the girl on it, the queen. And I think there's a castle behind her, right? Yeah, with a bunch of thorny trees in the background. Yeah, I just thought it was cool. I mean, sometimes I like the artwork more than others. So I thought I would just mention it. Okay, so the only thing that really stood out to me with this cover is being on Pinterest. And I used to do book edits a lot. So I used to always be on Pinterest. That girl that's on the cover she's all over pinterest with like a bunch of different poses in that dress what so like really i've seen that image before so it wasn't but it really fit actually because it looks just like the character and she's holding a knife and everything so yeah i thought it was very cool and i like the way this book opened the very first line (laughs) in the book is the duke of (laughs) sapphire hill was a bore in bed (laughs) oh yeah it's always a bummer when that happens i think i fell in love with the female main character tamar in the prologue because she is having sex with that duke and the whole time she's thinking about how boring it is and she's just like can't wait till it's over and she even starts thinking about breakfast the next day and she's like maybe i'll request pancakes i haven't had pancakes in a long time that would be good i was like yeah "Yeah, i love her she's hilarious yeah i really liked her too and i thought yeah it's very it's funny because by the, the point you're involved with somebody and you're in bed with them and it just starts to go south, you're like, well, it's too late now. I've committed. What do I do? Say, please get out. You're horrible. 
I also like how when it's over, she kicks him out of the room because he wants to stay the night. And she's like, oh, no, like, you can have that bottle of wine as a parting gift. Yeah. See you when I he's like, oh, well, I'll I'll save it for the next time we're together. And she's like, well, don't don't save it for that long or it'll be a long it'll age really well by the time that happens or some sort of clever Mm -hmm. remark to that. I had a very similar situation in real life where I went out with this guy (laughs) that I had met and it was a very clandestine meeting it's a long story I'm not going to go into it but anyway we ended up going out he was not very talkative but he was really good looking we went back to my place and of course we ended up thinking to myself I'm not going to see this guy again he's just not interesting but I haven't been late in a while, so why not, right? So as okay. soon as it was when we were done, I'm like, okay, you have to go because you were spending the night somewhere and you were coming back in the morning. So he had to be gone before you came home anyway. And he was like, what do you mean I have to go? I don't think any woman had ever, ever asked this guy to leave. <laughs> because he was really good looking and it's like okay we're done thank you so much bye you know i hope you have a good life and he was like so freaked out and so blown away that i did that that we ended up staying connected for probably 25 years on and off he would circle back into my life it's a long story but anyway it was pretty funny that is funny. So I this reminds me of a random saying I heard on one of those trashy reality TV shows I like, but it, it, the show's based in Australia. So I'm like, maybe this is an Australian saying, or maybe I've just never heard it before. But the guy was saying about like behavior and when you're not that nice to the person you're interested in, his saying is, treat them mean, keep them keen. And what? I guess it, it works. because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Finally ended after 25 years. I blocked his phone number. I don't know why I didn't do that a long time ago, but I blocked his phone number and since then have moved. So we don't have a way to reconnect now. But seriously, it was probably 25, 30 years that this guy was circling in my orbit. Well, you know, I just can't get enough of you, I guess. Well, it's true. What can I say? <laughs> Can't blame him. <laughs> Can't blame him. So anyway, back to this book. So yeah, the, so the same thing with this Duke. He's like, cannot believe this woman. Tamar is just saying, please get out. It's a real blow to his ego. And he's very unhappy about that. He becomes nasty to her. So she's the queen and her husband died a year or two ago. So I think this Duke was really hoping that if he's starting this relationship with her maybe he can end up marrying her eventually or something i think that's really the only reason why he's so interested in her yeah i think so too and she thinks to herself you know aren't there any decent men to be found in the entirety of her kingdom which is called red wood i don't think there are no It's like this other saying I heard, there's a lot of fish in the sea, but you know, it's, there's also a lot of it in the sea. Trash. <laughs> oh my God. That is hilarious. Uh-huh. Hilarious. Yeah. I was reading a book the other night and I thought to myself, this is why I don't date because I don't want the reality of dating and the reality of dealing with the opposite sex. I want what is happening in this book. And Mm -hmm. it's just not 
it doesn't happen in real life, unfortunately. Fictional or nothing. That's sad but true. And I gotta say, I absolutely love on Instagram when there's those little video clips of husbands that are reading the book that their wife is lusting over. <laughs> uh-huh. It is so... It's so funny. Or, you know, this is why normal men can't get a woman because this is what a normal man says to a woman. And then they read the quote, and this is what's in the books. And they read the quote, and it's true. They don't stand a chance, but I'm sure we don't we don't stand up to their fantasy a lot either. So whatever. I just say they have to try harder. Literally written down in several, several books, the instructions they could follow and things they could be saying. <laughs> It, you know what? It's so true. It's like if men would just drop their guard of trying to be, I don't know, cool, and they really wanted to know about a woman and what a woman wants, they would read some of these. Because I know for me, I'll only speak for myself, it would not take much for me to be nipping at that guy's heels. The bar is very low at this point. <laughs> <laughs> At my age, I don't even have a bar, Rachel. It's sad but true. <laughs> it's like it's very easy. I don't understand why men, because they're not sharp. I don't know. If they just <laughs> would read just a couple of these books and see how these men are in this book, even if they're different out of bed, but they have this persona in bed, mm-hmm. everybody would be so much happier because I know they'd be getting laid by me a lot more. Oh, goodness. All right. So should we go to chapter one? We're not even on chapter one yet. I know. Go (laughs) ahead. I'm sorry. Yes, let's we need to start this. Let's get going. It's okay. All right. So chapter one opens with a guy named Runo being propositioned for an assassination assignment. He's meeting with a masked man in a tavern. And this request air quotes you can't see, is coming from the Mm -hmm. highest level, Runo's Empress. Turns out he is her assassin and does these sorts of assignments all the time, over 40 times, as it turns out, because he keeps a tally mark on his inner arm over for each assassination he's committed. So, of course, he takes this assignment to murder the queen, Tamar, Mm -hmm. that we had met in the prologue. Calls the queen a murderer. Yeah, he's been told that she's a murderer and he says, why do you want her dead and this person responds she's a murderer and he says so you get another murderer to murder her in turn makes sense Mm -hmm. and um he's got a lot of kind of inner thoughts about how he doesn't make attachments or connections and that's the best way to survive the person that hires him is hiding his face the whole time and he slips something in the guise towards bruno and it's a key Rudo asks, how'd you get that? And he's like, it doesn't matter. It's a key to one of the rooms in the Red Castle. Her castle. Yeah, and we find out from him thinking about the queen what she looks like. Mm -hmm. And he thinks about how she looked no older than 30, younger even than he was. She had bright copper-colored hair with tight braids around her head. She wore a black widow's dress that made no efforts to hide the curves of her body underneath. She had a pale heart-shaped face, lips set in hard lines, eyes that were cold and distant, a look demanding full and utter obedience from anyone laying eyes on her. Correct. And he's watching her listening to an explanation in one of the courts. There's a man there who is on trial because he 
was in charge of his niece's fortune and her duchy. Is that how mm-hmm. you say it? I've never heard that expression before. So it was interesting. But come to find out that the woman who he's supposed to be his niece, he's supposed to be taking care of her fortune, came back early and found out he's been stealing her money and her title. And so now this guy, his name is Rushdivan. He is on trial for stealing. And he's a very powerful person, also with a lot of friends. So there's a lot. They introduce several people in this book along the way that have motive to want to kill her. I think she's called the Iron Queen because she rules with an iron fist. So she's not very forgiving. She's got this pretty badass reputation for being mean. Chapter two is actually from her perspective. So funny, her thoughts. So the key that he got was actually to a room adjacent to her chambers. So he goes in there and waits for her to come in for the night, which she does. And then when she sees him, she thinks she can recognize what he looks like right away and where he's from. And she thinks Mm -hmm. the Empress, good gods, getting killed was the only thing that could make this night even worse. Oh, yeah, I highlighted that, too. And she's thinking, don't show any weakness, don't show any hesitation. And then he starts talking to her. And she's very calm. I'm surprised at how calm she is because the whole time she's talking to him, she's trying to figure out how do I get out of this? She's like, it's quite late to still be working, isn't it? Because she was working at her desk. And she's like, well, I could say the same to you. And he shuts the door and all he's thinking about is that he he's loyal to the Empress and he has to, this is his assignment and he has to follow through. Yeah, so it's pretty funny. So she has a knife that she keeps under her pillow in her on her bed. And so she comes up with this plan where she's going to try to get near the bed in order to get the knife so she can defend herself because also her room is soundproof. So she can't just yell for people outside the door. They're not going to hear her. And so she talks to him a lot and it's their banter immediately was fucking hilarious. I loved it. Mm -hmm. She says to him, I've never been assassinated before. How do these (laughs) things come about? Am I allowed any last wishes or do you just slit Mm. my throat and disappear into the night again? Yes. But hilarious. Her plan is to make one of those last wishes. And she says that her husband died a year ago and she's been lonely ever since. And she'd hate to die that way. And he would do her a favor by lifting the loneliness a little. So she tries to seduce him Mm -hmm. in order to get near the bed, in order to get that knife so she can get away from him. So actually her plan does work, surprisingly. Yes, it's not surprising. (laughs) You know how men are. It's like, okay, I guess I could oblige you a little bit before I kill you. So she does seduce him. She gets that knife. She manages to get away from him. And he does get arrested and thrown into the castle dungeon but before we get to that part the way he speaks to her is really interesting even though she's the queen she's always used to being in charge and even though she's the queen he is not going to be following orders from her he's going to be the one in charge when it comes to them having sex I thought that was really funny because it says here he spun her around in his arms and slung her over her own desk allowing her to catch her weight on her elbows and she thinks people do not fling her over desks <laughs> <laughs> like this 
this is great. She's like, what is happening? And he just starts telling her, you know, put your hands over your head. All very interesting because she's used to being the boss. Mm -hmm. They have a little bit of a dynamic switch here where he's doesn't care that she's in the queen with so much power. I loved it. I was a big fan. We are introduced when he's arrested to one of her guards who's called Gata. He's one of the guards and he wants to kill this guy and he's very upset. And she says, no, don't kill him. I, I know he's trying to murder me, but I doubt he did it alone. And she thinks to herself, where did he get that key? Because that key was to the side room where she would sneak her lovers in. Nobody was supposed to have their hands on that key. Yeah, so he must have had inside help. So she's thinking all those things. Plus, you know, he was flinging her over that desk. So she doesn't yeah, want wouldn't him to kill die him either. Yeah, don't kill him yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They end up taking him and locking him in the dungeon. And she says, I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. And he just says, much much appreciated. And Mm -hmm. off they go to the dungeon. Yeah. So then his chapter is in the dungeon and it's gross and disgusting. And he can't sleep because, you know, he's thinking about everything that's happened. This is where he starts to think of these memories of Sidra. It's the first Mm -hmm. time we hear of Sidra. That's an important part. And he's like, I don't want to start thinking about that. Yeah, some of his backstory, but he doesn't want to go there yet. So while he's in the dungeon, uh, someone does go in there and they do try to kill him. They try to assassinate the assassin. Yep, but slippery slope. He is able to survive. I think it's the next morning Tamar finds out about this. So she goes to visit him in the dungeon I just love their conversations. They told every time they talk to one another, it goes in like unexpected turns and twists when they're talking and doesn't really doesn't ever go the way I think it's going to go. Somehow he convinces her to let him out of the dungeon and go back to her private rooms to have a private conversation basically like why don't we talk you know wink wink about that thing that almost happened last night where he's not saying the assassination he's saying like how i almost like had you over that desk right like let's go talk about that some more and if i can talk to you about that privately i will also tell you about who tried to assassinate me and who hired me and all the things right and we're also introduced to another character in the book the name is amaran and that's tamar's cousin is he in charge of the guards he's something that makes you wonder what's going on in this castle everybody's got a backstory in this book i think yes and then i also feel like Nobody can be trusted either because you don't know who's behind Runo getting hired. And Mm -hmm. so every character that comes up, I'm suspicious of the whole time. Yes, absolutely. And I think that he is her spy master and he's really upset that somebody tried to kill her, obviously. So Runo does end up talking to her and he basically offers to help her with her loneliness issue <laughs> if she agrees not to kill him. This was so funny because when they first get into her rooms, I think it's like her office or something, she says, who hired you? And he's walking around taking a sweet old time. Yeah. And he's, his response is, is that an original Bacchana sword? <laughs> And he says, could also kill you with this one if you prefer. I would personally consider it quite an honor to breathe my last breath with an actual Bacchanal through my heart. <laughs> like, yeah, he, his 
level of coolness is beyond. She's just like, no, who hired you? Like, can you focus and stop doing whatever you're doing right now? He says, eventually, my memory rarely improves under pain and fear. I suggest you try another method. She says, any recommendations? He says, you could get out of that dress. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And this is also where we start part of the conversation before this all goes down in there in private. It's her brother-in-law, I think. Zavid, who is the captain of the guard. It's her brother-in-law. So his brother was the one that she was married to. And he ends up saying, you know, she's not a murderer because he's commenting on how she's so stern and comes across as like steel. And the brother-in-law says she's not murdering people all over the place like that empress you work for. And Runa's like, are you sure about that, brother? Surely she didn't get that name, the Iron Queen, by smiling nicely to people. This chapter... Or I guess every encounter with them escalates very quickly, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, because in this chapter, they are talking and he's like, I'll make you that deal and yada, yada. So they do actually, at the end of that chapter, end up having sex. I was actually kind of surprised about. Well, there's only so many pages in the book and they've got to get to it eventually. So yeah, I wasn't. Well, if I was, I was pleasantly surprised. He sounded very Mediterranean in appearance to me. Yeah. And she's always talking about how his like darker locks that have a little bit of a curl and how he's so like nicely tanned. And I'm like, how do you blame her? Like, of course, he's big. He's a big dude. He's masterful, Mm -hmm. apparently in the bedroom. But the thing in this is even though he's doing this in the back of his mind, he's still thinking, well, I have to finish my mission because the Empress will kill me. I owe her my life. I have to be loyal to the Empress. And even though they're having this banter and he has sex with her, he thinks, well, I'm just one step closer to completing my mission. Yes, this actually was interesting to me that he doesn't immediately change his mind about killing her. So he does have sex with her. He ends mm-hmm. up returning to the dungeon and now he's doing a lot more thinking about everything. Mm-hmm. And they're mostly about killing Tamar and how he still needs to escape. Little small part of him doesn't want to kill her because gasp the horror. Does he actually like her after only having sex with her one time? Like how could that possibly be? We don't do that here. So yeah, he stays detached. He tries to stay very detached and not develop any attachments to another person he's in the dungeon and she has him guarded 24 7 because they don't want him murdered and he even starts bantering with the with the guards yes so this is how he actually ends up escaping the dungeon because he tricks the guard into coming close and unlocking the door right and then he like knocks the guard out and part of him is like kill him it doesn't matter but then the other part of him is like well if you kill her guard and you get caught she's not gonna let you go so he just i think he locks him in the dungeon right yeah i think yeah Yeah. he puts on his clothes and takes his sword he locks the guy in he's like time to go find tomorrow again (laughs) he thinks one good screw wouldn't make him forget the life that empress had granted him would it Mm. well it might it might (laughs) so okay so then my next note is i at my wise old age might actually still have quite a few naive bones in my body because in the next chapter when he actually does go to kill her i Mm -hmm. was surprised (laughs) 
<laughs> really? Yeah, you are. I, I'm glad you. I you really still have was. To I love that. So he sneaks into her room, enters through the balcony doors with the knife in his hand, prepared to kill her. Yeah, so I was actually surprised that he was doing this. But then, oh my god, every time they talk, it's fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. So he opens very ominous. He like repels from up above onto the balcony. He goes through the doors, enters, tiptoes into her bedroom, right? right? He sees her huddled on the bed, all like sad and mopey and crying or whatever she's doing. So he looks at her and instead of trying to stab her immediately, he like lowers the knife and he's like, what in the world is the matter with you? (laughs) (laughs) And like... (laughs) Oh, and her God. response is, oh, for hell's sake. Yeah. <laughs> you again. Oh, God. I know. A half a page later, she's like, just do it then. While she's crying. Yeah. She's like, fuck it. Like, I can't even cry in peace. Here you are again. Like, just yeah. put me out of my misery. She's ex- She's exhausted. And this is just one more thing. Yeah, it's never ending. She's got all the weight of the world on her shoulders trying to be that iron queen and so now they start kind of fighting almost mm-hmm. he basically mentioned something about like well of course i'm gonna kill you like you are gonna kill me and she's like i swore i wouldn't damn you and he says you can swear whatever you want you'd be mad to keep me alive and she says again for hell's sake what do you think i am that bloody empress of yours yeah. She says, think I'm going around making empty promises all day that I take pleasure in tying nooses around as many nicks as possible. I mean these things when I say them. I'm not killing you. I gave you my word and I damn well intend to keep it. So tell me again how we're playing the same game. Yeah. And he tells her, I'm going to be honest with you because nobody's honest with you. And he tells her, don't expect an assassin to care about your well-being. And she's like, I should have hung you a long time ago. Yeah, he really calls her out on a lot of stuff. He's like, you've been so busy making people fear and respect you that you never allow them to love you. And that's catching up with you now, isn't it? That's the trouble. If you eliminate every unpleasant surprise in your life, you're suppressing every pleasant surprise as well. Every spontaneous gesture And commanding people to care for you doesn't work terribly well, I suppose. Right. And then he ends up telling her about the Empress and how she saved his life. And he says, she saved my life. And Tamar's like the Empress. And he's like, I'm an unusual. I'm unusual. I'm an exceptional man in many ways. And then he tells her he's not Trevi, technically speaking, that he was born in a place called Curvy. Curvy? I don't know how to say it. It's C-U-V-R-I. Kareb, how would you say that? Kuvri, maybe? I don't know. But yes, he's not actually from the place she thinks he's from. Yeah, and as soon as he says that, she she has a shocked look on her face. And she's like, you're from there. Why in the world are you working for a, a woman who spent decades waging war against your clan? And he ends up telling this story about when he was seven years old, he lived in his clan, a warring clan on either side of them, and they needed food. And I guess 
they were saying that some chieftain sent bags of grain and some fruit and vegetables, but he had been ill when all this stuff started happening. So his mother just gave him berries and left him in bed and they went out to bake the bread and sell it in the market square. And he tells her, it turns out that the grain that they gave us, all of it was poisoned. And he also tells her, my mom tried to warn me. She came stumbling back into the house, telling him, don't eat the bread. And then she died. So basically, every person in his village died except him. Mm -hmm. It was horrible. He says the Trevi army heard of the massacre and they came to find out what had really happened. And one of the soldiers captured him. How you have to capture a seven-year-old is beyond me. And was planning on killing him. But the empress said, do not kill him. He may serve us and live. So he feels like he owes her. His backstory was pretty interesting and it mm -hmm. does, it help, really helps you understand why he's so loyal to her for seemingly no reason. But yeah. now it all makes sense. At this point where I don't know, like two thirds of the way through the book and he's barely starting to hesitate in his thoughts of killing her because as it turns out he learns that someone put a price on his head mm -hmm. that if he's captured that person will get 50 gold pieces and that person was not tamar which and it that's a fortune wherever they are so there's everybody and his brother is going to be after him for this reward mm -hmm, this astronomical amount of money so now he's like well fuck i can't kill her and try to escape out of here because if i go through the village People are going to be looking for me because they want those 50 gold pieces. He's also thinking, hmm, who is so desperate to capture me that they're offering this reward? Is it the person that tried to hire me and now they're trying to cover up their involvement? Like, that's the only explanation that makes sense to be offering this much money. He's still sneaking around the castle in a guard's uniform. So he's like, what oh. do I do? What do I do? So he decides, I, I'm going to just get turned into a guard i'm going to turn myself into a guard because i need to talk to tamar again he has a lot of interactions with her throughout the book whenever he mm -hmm. wants because he sneaks into her room he goes through her balcony he tricks that guard into letting him out he convinces a guard to turn him in mm -hmm. even the guards like you're turning yourself in. Is this a trick? I don't understand. He's like, no, 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 no. Like, you are going to be the hero of the castle. If right. you bring me straight to the queen, yada, yada. So, yes, he's very clever. Yeah, he's very smart. When he does talk to her, I think he tells her about the 50 gold pieces because he says, I'm quite flattered to tell you the truth. Nobody has ever considered me worthy worth 50 gold pieces, but it did get me thinking. So then she cuts him off and she says, oh, you weren't thinking so far? That would explain a little. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he ends up making a bargain with her, right? That he's going to help find who the traitor is because they know there's a traitor in the castle because whoever gave him the key obviously works in the castle and he needs to find this person with the 50 gold 
pieces and murder him so that he doesn't have to worry about being killed for the reward. So he thinks of it as a win-win where he will get rid of the guy that's offering the reward for him and he will find out who the person is that was trying to hire him to kill her. It's basically them having the common enemy at this point that brings them together. Mm -hmm. So he says, essentially, I'll put my murder of you on pause and we'll work together for a little while till you find that one person, that insider that I think it's going to be. But, you know, once that's done, like, I'm going to go back to trying to kill you. But for now... For now, we're good. Yeah, and it's also in this chapter when she goes to make give him a letter with her seal on it. He opens, she opens the drawer of her desk and he sees that there's two seals. She says to him, well, yeah, one of them was my late husband's because when they hired him to assassinate her, he not only got the key, didn't he get a letter with a seal in it? Her seal, yes. Yeah, her seal. So they're like, how the hell is this possible? Then he starts asking her questions about her husband. Like, did you love him? She tells him it's none of your business. They end up having this weird thing where they are going to ask each other questions and you have to tell each other the truth. And so he says, why aren't you telling me about your husband? And she finally ends up saying, you know, he was a terrible person. And he had seen when she first tried to seduce him, when he first met her, she dropped her robe and there were burn marks all over her upper arm. This is all pretty horrible. Yeah, her husband was a bastard. Yeah, and whenever he got drunk or super angry, he would hurt her. Yeah, he would beat her or he would burn her or do all of these horrible things. Now, is this the same chapter where we find out how her husband died? Mm, I don't think so. Okay, I don't remember when, but I think they basically end up deciding that suspect or the inside person is probably someone trying to avenge her late husband's death. And so they're trying to think, well, who was close to him? who would try to do that. I don't think she really even considers the brother-in-law that much, which was really surprising to me in this because I would think for sure he would be suspect number one. Yeah, I mean, my head was going all over the place. Oh, it's got to be the brother-in-law. Oh, maybe it's her cousin because her husband killed her cousin's father. I, I don't know what was happening, but there is a chapter coming up that was super on fire And I just want to make sure that almost the whole chapter notes are highlighted in red for me. So are we still on chapter 12? My next note is I have like a small note from chapter 15. And then I just have general notes from chapter 16 on. What chapter were your notes from that you're talking about? I'm talking about chapter 13 where... They make this alliance together, and even though he knows he's still going to kill her, he still wants her really badly. She wants to sleep with him, too, and he says it's a bad idea. This is not going to save your life, do you hear me? This isn't going to mean... And then he's like, well, you might as well... I might as well enjoy myself for once, then. And she's trying to kiss him, and he tells her, you're not the one in charge. Do you remember this part? And then he tells her, you need to kneel. Um, I mean, I remember it, but I think I was so in it. I didn't highlight anything from that chapter. Oh, my God. So he tells her, you know, 
you need to kneel and her eyes almost bug out of her head because she's the queen. She doesn't kneel. And he says again, kneel Tamar because she wants him. And he's telling her, well, if you want me, this is how we're going to do it. And she's like, you bastard. And he's like, that's not a nice thing to say. It's hilarious. And he's like, it's your pick Tamar. And she finally slinks down the the wall onto her knees and she's like happy now and he's still he's like i'm pretty sure you could make me happier if you're so inclined though they it ends up being a very hot sex scene every time they're together it's super hot i don't know if it's his take charge attitude or because he knows what he's doing or all of the above but every time it was really good So they end up thinking that it's someone close to her late husband, because like I said, her husband was a bastard. So then they start thinking, speaking of bastards, he actually slept around quite a bit and he had bastards everywhere that the brother-in-law, I guess, was paying off or maybe he kept a log of all those people what yeah, have you. But, so they uh, do end up finding a list, right, of all those kids. Yeah, because she she does end up telling him, because he's like, how are we going to find this person if you're not honest with me? So she is terrified, but tells him, I did end up poisoning my husband with Belladonna. I killed him. He said, well, you were the queen. Why did you do all of this? And she's all, I needed his army. I needed to protect my people. He starts to find out that all of these things that she has done is to really protect her people and be a better queen to her people. So yeah, then they start talking about who could it possibly be and dead husband had so many illegitimate children. So they end up looking at that list of all those kids and they recognize a name at the bottom of the list. So we don't find out here who that person is, but Mm -hmm. they now know who that person is. And so Mm -hmm. that's what Runa was doing. And while he's doing that, he's the one that recognizes the name on the list. While he's doing that tomorrow, on her own is trying to research the history of his childhood home sidra that's what it was right sidra yeah because it it sounded familiar to her and the story he was telling her didn't line up with the stories that she had heard growing up and so she's kind of reading stories about that and so now she's having her own epiphany about what happened there And why would the Empress keep one kid alive when everyone else was dead? And we don't get to find out what her findings out are either because she's interrupted by that traitor finally revealing themselves to her because they come into Mm -hmm. her room to try to kill them herself because Rune is obviously not getting the job done. He's not stabbing her the way the traitor (laughs) wants her to get stabbed. Yes. Runo does, you know, of course, interrupt the traitor because he is trying to protect her. Now it's the three of them in the room. But now Runo is talking to her about he, Runo, how he still needs to kill her. So yet again, now I'm surprised again that he's still planning to kill her because he's like, well, you know, our deal was only until we figured out who that person was. And like, look, that person's standing right there. And that person is like, hey, I'm literally standing right here. Could you stop talking about me as if I'm not in the room? But they do talk about that person a lot, which is pretty Mm -hmm. funny. Yes. He's saying, like, I'm good. I still need to kill you. Like, we'll take care of that that person, but I still need to kill you. So that person tries to take their conversation distraction as like his opportunity. So that person tries to jump in to 
get at Tamar, but Ryuno interferes and kills that person. Or he, like, subdues that person, I should say. And then he goes to kill Tamar. And Tamar's like, well, don't kill me because, like, I know something about Sidra, your hometown, and, Mm -hmm. like, the Empress... And, like, the Empress actually had something to do with it. And everything you knew about your childhood is a lie, essentially. Yeah, it turns out the Empress is the one that poisoned the flour for the bread. He didn't know that. He thought it was, like, a civil, just a civil war that happened. And she's like, no, look at this in this book. I was very shocked that he was still going towards her to kill her. And I'm like, what are you doing? So she's telling him, you need to read this. You need to know the truth. And that's where he reads in her books that it was the army of the empress that poisoned the grain of his village. Yes. And he was only seven at the time. And his town's location was pivotal for the war. Mm-hmm. The battle that they were fighting so of course he doesn't know all that because he was a little kid how would he know all that stuff but now right. everything he's known is a lie and he's like kind of freaking out so he ends up running off right yeah he like disappears so he ends up leaving then he returns but it's six weeks later so i wouldn't necessarily consider it an epilogue but he d- there's that time gap of six weeks and so he returns and while he was gone he went back to double check her side of the story read some other books and confirm what she was saying so he when he comes back he basically offers to work for her now do you like do you need a hired hand yeah. i have nowhere else to go basically and the book does end with some i i hate you but i also missed you uh sex which i didn't hate yeah i didn't hate either yeah i thought it was very interesting yep oh and so towards the end it says he drank deep from her drowned her in his fervor until every inch of her was burning aching for release so good <laughs> it was really good so what do you think i like I liked it. I was pleasantly surprised. I was too. Yeah, I I loved their banter. It was hilarious. I really liked the premise because it was kind of like enemies to lovers, but not really because it's not as intense, even though he was uh, that assassin. He was hired to kill her. Yeah. And I liked that they were a little bit older because I think she's supposed to be 30 and I think he's supposed to be like 34 or 35. And uh, Runo did sound hot as hell with that Mediterranean vibes he was giving off. Yeah, Mediterranean men are trouble. The guy coming around for 20 years, he was Mediterranean. I believe it. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, God. I'd give this like four to four and a half wet panties. Okay. Yeah. I really like this author. The only thing that I didn't like in this book that kind of happened throughout is that while she was kind of cracking and bending to his will, he was quite often laughing at her. And I didn't like that part. Did you notice that? Yeah, he's his delivery isn't that great because he's, I don't know if I would say he's like brutally honest or he's more a, a little arrogant. A, bit, a little arrogant. He's a little, like a lot. Arrogant. Yeah, yeah it's, that part I didn't like, but everything else in the book I really did like. I mean, the story kept me guessing through the whole thing. I'm like, who the fuck did this? I thought for sure it was going to end up being her brother-in-law or her cousin. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know who this uh, person is that wants to have her murder. I love their interaction together. And he was really hot. I will give you that. I would definitely would give this four 
wet panties as my rating, I'm more than likely I'm going to read the next book. Did you already read it? <laughs> so I wasn't going to, but so I finished this book, Iron, and okay. then I read a different book, which I actually like DNF'd at like 75% in the book, but the book was almost 400 pages long. And I was like, I'm just not feeling it. Oh. I don't even really care at this point. So when I did that to that other book, then I did pick up book two in this series. Book two is called Silver. So I read Silver and I finished it yesterday. Oh, you did? Did you like it as much as you like this one? I did, but I feel like this could have probably been a duet instead of a trilogy because there's three books. So I don't know oh. if I'm going to read book three or not, but I did okay. like it still. All right. Are you reading anything else? Yes. My current read is actually Chase by Reese Barden. Remember okay. we had done that Reese Barden book for the podcast, uh, book one, and then I had read book one for the podcast, then I read book two, and then I ended up buying the three packs I could read book three, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to wait a little while because I want to get more <laughs> yeah. Amazon credits before I get the next book. Oh, right. So mm -hmm. I finally got enough Amazon credits. So I, <laughs> so I went on Amazon, and that series that I had read, it was shifters of gray ridge i don't know if you remember but it was the girl in book one and then she had that twin sister and that one alpha from that other pack was like i have a connection with you but you're not my mate you feel like you're like a sister or we're connected somehow i don't know if you remember all that oh i do remember that yes okay so the book i ended up getting is the chase which is okay. that twin sister's book and that alpha from the other pack. So that's the book I just downloaded this morning and started reading. It's really good. I do like that author, even though I have to pay for her books, but I do like them. What's her name? <laughs> Reese Barden. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't okay. have her stuff on KU, but I, you know, I'm just like every time I order on Amazon, I'm just like slow delivery so I could get those digital credits. I know. <laughs> I I didn't even know about that until you mentioned it on the podcast one day. And I was like, what? You can get points. And so I started doing that and uh, I ordered, well, I ordered a pair of shoes to go with that outfit I have for Halloween, which I have to return. Unfortunately, they're too small, but I got them for free. I'm like, what? They're free? And they're like, oh yeah, you have enough uh, Amazon credits. I'm like, I need to stop hmm. going on Amazon. I do like that option, especially if it's not something I need right away. Then it works out perfectly because I do digital. You can use it for anything digital. I think the movies, music, books. So I had enough to get that book finally. So I just purchased it. Yeah. So I have been listening to a lot of books online. I found a lot of the um, J.R. Ward Black Dagger Brotherhood books, and I have been going back through them, listening to them uh, as an audiobook while I'm doing things around the house. I'm getting really sick of watching television. There's nothing good on TV. And I watch a lot of documentaries and stuff and i find i've gone through a lot of the documentaries so i do notice though if i am reading those books there was another book series that did this i have nightmares what kind of books like i was reading the jr ward books there are certain authors i read their books and i don't know what it is in their books but it triggers something in me and then that night i have a nightmare and oh because so i think you said some of those books give you anxiety don't they because they're so high stakes you get so like scared for the characters 
It probably is, but I know I woke up the other night and my heart was pounding through my chest from a nightmare. And I thought, oh, it's because I'm reading this series or whatever. I did decide to take, to do a total change of pace. Believe it, you're not going to believe it. I'm not reading a porn paranormal romance shifter book. I'm reading a series and the first book in the series is called The Hellfire Riders, Saxon and Jenny. And it's a motorcycle gang storyline. And it's by Katie Wilde. What are you laughing at? I'm just laughing because I love motorcycle romance. But I thought you didn't like them because you've actually dated people who ride motorcycles. So I thought you didn't really like those types of books. Well, the reason I'm telling you about this book is because I'm reading this book and I'm like, I have got to tell you about this book. You're going to fucking die. Katie Wilde is the woman that wrote the book we did last week, The Midwinter Mail Order Bride. Yes. I wanted to read something else by her, but I sometimes I just need to ch- clean my palate or my brain of what I'm reading. This book is so fucking hot. So, 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 so hot. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> if, pe- if you're into motorcycle gang books, this is probably the book for you to read. I mean, there is some stuff in there that's hard to read about, you know, women being accosted or whatever. And but the two characters, Saxton and Jenny, they are so freaking hot together. It's worth reading it. Okay. So write that down, girl. That's even more hilarious because one of the books I added to my want to read list today on Goodreads, almost mm-hmm. thought it would be good to do for the podcast. But I was like, oh, I don't know, because it's a motorcycle club romance and you don't really like those. <laughs> so funny. So funny. So it's a motorcycle club romance, but it's also uh, dragons and it's a reverse harem. So it's kind of got a lot happening in it. It's got a lot happening in it. Well, we could do that. I mean, what's the name of it? Bartender Mate. Okay, I'm writing it down. Interstellar Dragon Mates of Draconis. Yeah, sometimes I think, oh, I want to read that book, but it's not a paranormal shifter book. So I'm like, well... You know, I don't know if we're just limiting ourselves to that, but I will take a look at that today and we'll text about whether you want to do it. We should do it. I mean, since it's a shifter book, but yeah, definitely write down the Hellfire Writers book and you for sure have to let me know what you think of it. Okay. It's funny because I was reading a lot of different types of books and I was kind of all over the place and I was like... Gosh, why am I, I'm reading a lot of hockey books, sports books. I'm reading these motorcycle books. I'm reading these mafia books. I'm reading these fantasy books. I'm reading a paranormal. I'm reading an alien thing. I'm reading. Why am I reading all these random stuff? Oh, you dumb bitch. Because they're all different types of romance. So what mm-hmm. you actually <laughs> like are romance books as like the main header. And then mm-hmm. a- as long as it falls somehow under that category, you're all about that life. I yeah, actually didn't I, get it for like a long yeah. time. <laughs> That's funny because I I don't like romance books. I think I've told you that before. I don't know what my thing is. I've always have leaned more towards, I mean, even decades ago, I was reading vampire books every one I could get my hands on and witch books and all these paranormal shifter romance books but every once in a while I get a little burnout because 
even though it's a different author, I feel like it's a repetition of what we've read before. So that's why I decided to read the motorcycle book. And I think if it wasn't for the fact that I really liked Katie Wilde so much, I don't know that I would have picked it, to be honest with you. But I really, really like her writing style. And it just everything just happened to align. And I thought, well, I need a change of pace. I'd like her reading. I like I like her books. I like her style. Let me see what I think of some other book that she's written. And I'm a big fan. <laughs> Tell you right now. I'm a huge fan. I totally get it because for me, it's almost more believable to me to read some of these fantasy sort of books than mm-hmm. it is Absolutely. to read about a billionaire who's 35 and he meets a 19 year old who's never had a job before and he's instantly obsessed with her and they fall in love and yeah right. or they second chance romances and all i'm like those are a lot harder for me to believe than the aliens okay? yeah i'm right there with <laughs> you when i read i want to be and i have said this before i want to be sucked into the story and just like the it has to be a certain level of quality of writing so i'm sucked Hmm. into the story and i'm not aware of what's going on around me if a book's just kind of so so i'm not into it there's too many good books out there there absolutely is so anyway do you want to announce what our next book is going to be yes it is going to be her captive wolf by Kristen Strassel. Strassel? I hope I'm saying her name right. Yeah, don't ask me. I, I'm horrible at that kind of stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, we should probably go so I can start yeah. editing this episode so we can try to get it out in time. Well, good luck. Yeah, thanks. But this was All my right, goal and- for the day, and we did it. I'm proud of us. Yeah. I'm glad I could help you. <laughs> so, <laughs> um. I'm going to look at that other book you just mentioned, and then please look at the email that I sent you about our itinerary. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to write it down. So I remind myself. Yeah, we got we got to nail that down as quickly as possible. Oh, my God. A month. Oh, I know. I can't believe it. I'm, I'm just going to throw up. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I mean, one of the main things, too, is I'm so excited about I haven't spent this much time with you alone, and I don't even remember how long, Rachel. So I'm really looking forward to sharing this experience with you. Oh, it has been a long time, probably since I was a kid still living at home. Yeah, so this is, I could weep with happiness. I'm so excited about sharing this experience with my daughter, who I love so, so much. I'm excited too. It's going to be great. Yes, it will. All right, babe. All right. Have a good day. You too, honey. All right, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bonded Books Podcast. You can rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Our email is bondedbookspodcast at gmail.com. And check the show notes for a link to all of our social media.